All right, take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. This weekend, or this week actually, was Valentine's week, and uh, so a lot of our thoughts, you know, went and toward uh, toward the, the love angle type of thing. And uh, I know, I, I, I really, uh, if, uh, if you're here, if, you, if uh, uh, you're a husband, I hope you did something for your wife for Valentine's Day. You say, no, it's a commercialized, uh, you know, holiday, and I'm not going to give, ah, just stuff it and be a blessing to her, okay? And uh, let her know that you love her. I, the truth of the matter is, every day ought to be Valentine's Day around your house, amen? I mean, it should be from the standpoint of, we, well, you're not going to buy flowers every day, but uh, <laughs> you're not going to take her out every day. But, but you, you should tell your family, your whole family, that you love them every day. Uh, that, ought to, that ought to be an exercise that, you, that just becomes a part of your, of your daily routine. And the Bible tells us that love is a big deal. Uh, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he spoke a lot about love. And the verse, two verses we're going to look at this morning to start out the message are two verses that he gave to his disciples and uh, gave them to them so that they would understand that they have an obligation one to another. Let's all stand together if you would. And I'm going to read verse 34 and then I'm going to ask you to read together with me out loud in unison in verse 35. Verse 34 of John chapter 13 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Let's read together. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray as we take a look at what your word has to say about loving folks. Help us to understand that we have an obligation, first and foremost, to love you because you're our God, because you've done so much for us. You've, you are our God, our Lord, and our Savior. Father, I pray that you'd also help us to see we have an obligation to one another. And uh, Father, may, may you speak to our hearts this morning. I, I, don't, I don't think there's one of us who uh, would be able to say that we've arrived in this area of loving folks. And uh, God, as a, as a church, I want our church to be known as a church that not only loves one another, but loves uh, our entire city and our area, the people around us. Uh, God, uh, may we have that reputation. May we, may we have that testimony. But it's just not going to happen uh, just by default. It's going to happen on purpose. So God, uh, bless this time together in your word. Please speak to our hearts about how we can love folks even, even when our love is a little weak and when it starts to slip. And uh, help, us, help us, God, to, to get a hold of some truths this morning that uh, will, will help us in our daily walk with you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know what? Uh, he... Uh, in verse 34, Jesus said this. He said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And if you were to stop right there, you'd probably scratch your head and say, Wait a minute, new commandment? It's not a new commandment. Back in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, 
Uh, he, he said, love, love others as you love yourself. Uh, and uh, there were other places where, where he also spoke to the disciples. And, and in fact, he, he told them, he says, first, the first and great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And now you come to chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35, and he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And you say, wait a minute, it's not a new commandment. Well, it is because of what he added to the end of the sentence. He says, I give unto you, uh, he says, uh, uh, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another, but he doesn't stop there. He says, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. He said, not just as you love yourself, but love each other like I've loved you. You, you go through Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and John. One of the things that you see is you see the Lord Jesus Christ had great patience with those guys, didn't he? He had, he had great, uh, great care for those men. There were, times, <laughs> there were times when some of the best guys, like Peter, would look him right eyeball to eyeball. They're looking at the, at the creator of the universe. They're looking at the God of all creation. And, and Peter will look at him and say, Not so, Lord. <clears throat> you, know, uh, that would, uh, you know, that would really try, try our love, I think. But it didn't try the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. His love stayed firm. And he said, he said As I have loved you, you have an obligation to love one another. Now, what, what is love? Take your Bibles and turn with me. Here's a, one of the best descriptions you'll find. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're not going to change the word that is found in your King James Bible because the word that's found in your King James Bible is the word charity. You say, well, charity is just love. No, it's not just love. It's a kind of love that only saved people can have for others because of Jesus Christ in them. It, it is impossible for lost people to have biblical charity. This is, the charity is the highest form of love that we can have for one another. And notice how he describes this kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and look with me in verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, from here... He begins to explain what this high form of love is that can flow through us. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Now, that's the kind of love that we are to have toward one another. That's the kind of love that we are to have 
toward others that are even lost and without Christ. Now, one of the things that I think that the world has taught us that even Christians have bought into is this, is this thinking that, that love is first and foremost a feeling. I was listening to uh, someone explain, somebody on a, on a radio talk show, they were, they were interviewing people about how they, how they uh, met their spouse and, and uh, how, how they fell in love with them and so forth. And he made a comment, that he, was at, he said he was at a funeral, and uh, he saw, <laughs> saw a good-looking gal sitting right across the aisle from him. And uh, he stared at her and stared at her and stared at her. hadn't even met her yet. And said, and it was love at first sight. Well, it was something at first sight, but I'm not so sure it was love. Because love is a whole lot deeper than just a, a Twitter, uh, Twitter padding in your, in your breast. Uh, it's a whole lot more than that. And uh, the, Bible, the Bible's description of love is more than just a feeling. It's an action. In fact, you go down through those things that it speaks of of charity... And those are actions that we show toward others. Though that, there's very little feeling really that's involved in that. It has to do with voluntary, voluntary actions on our part. Now the, the subject matter of the message this morning is, on, is, is love, but it's, it, it's in a particular, particular scenario. The truth of the matter is there are times when we have a hard time loving some folks. In fact, there are some times when some of us have a hard time loving anybody. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, just happens to be the, the particular time when it's just, it just, it's just difficult. What do you do when you see your love for others start to slip? What do you do when you see your love for particular individuals start to slip? Again, I was, I was listening to... Um, I was listening to a news broadcast, and on came, it was here in Syracuse, and uh, they, they, uh, they've got uh, ads now, uh, they're pushing big time on the radio, ads for divorce lawyers. And uh, uh, they start out the ads saying, you know, you found the, the, perfect, the perfect mate, and you fell in love, and everything was perfect about your relationship, and then you fell out of love. Stop right there. You didn't fall out of love. You chose to stop. And, and that really is what it boils down to. Love is a choice. But you say, okay, love is a choice and love is an action. But, but what do I do when I just, honestly, I just don't feel like loving that person? Well, we've, we've all been there, I think, at one time or another. Maybe a whole lot of times we've been there. What do you do when that kind of thing happens? Well, I can prove to you that love is not, not primarily a feeling, and, not, and it is primarily an action, by taking you, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew chapter 5 Jesus is speaking to his disciples, or actually he was, he's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. The disciples are there. But in verses 43 and 44, he talks about love. And uh, 
in verse 43 he says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Verse 44, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, you know how I know that you know how I know that uh, love is not primarily a feeling because you're not going to get ushy gushy over somebody that's persecuting you. You're not going to get ushy gushy over somebody that uh, that you know is trying to do you damage. I had the opportunity this last week to watch the um, uh, to watch the State of the Union address, and one of the first things that I noticed right out of the block is that President Trump went up to the, the podium and uh, he turned around and uh, he gave a copy of his, of his speech to his vice president. He gave a copy to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi went like this and he just turned around and ignored her. Now, regardless of what you think of that, that action, you know, you say, well, he probably should have. Yeah, maybe he should have. But let me ask you something. Somebody's trying to destroy you. You going to go over and give them a big hug and a kiss? Probably not. Why? Because you don't feel that ushy-gushy feeling. you got a feeling on the inside, but it's not ushy-gushy, okay? Uh, it's, it's definite, there's definitely some feelings there. But yet, God tells us, listen, you even need to love your enemies. So he gives us the worst-case scenario. Somebody who's trying to destroy you, and Jesus says, you've got to love those folks. How do you do that? How do you do that? And the truth of the matter is, how do you love somebody that just, you know, you, you, your, your, your heart toward them is starting to fall away. Uh, your patience is starting to run thin. Uh, they may not be your enemy. They may not have fallen into that category yet. But man, they're just really, really difficult to love. How do we fulfill that scripture of love your neighbor as yourself? Well, I think the key is down in verse 44, which says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use and persecute you. There's three things that Jesus said that you can do to show love toward others, those that have persecuted you, those who have uh, abused you, those who have said things that were, were damaging about or even to you. God says, listen, you, we have an obligation. Now, you know, one thing is I appreciate about the Lord, he never asks us to do what he's not willing to do himself. And my Bible says, for God so loved the world. Do you realize what that encompasses? That encompasses all the vile people, all the filthy people. Uh, you say, well, yeah, it also encompasses people that are saved and people that, uh, people that are trying to do right. And, yeah, but God didn't say only a certain segment of those people did he love? It says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the thing that was the most precious to him, his son, 
so that the whole world could come to know him as Savior, so the whole world could have their sins forgiven. Now, the whole world will not have their sins forgiven, but he made it possible through the death of his son. And so, so God himself showed that love is first and foremost and primarily an action. So with that thought in mind, in verse 44, there are, uh, 44 it says that there are three things that we can do to show love to other folks who maybe they're our enemies. Maybe they're not our enemies. Maybe our love is just starting to slip. Uh, maybe they're just people that for us, they're difficult to love. There's three things that you can do to every person to show them your love toward them. Number one, he says, bless them that curse you. He says, bless them. What does it mean to bless them? It doesn't mean give them one of these deals, okay? That's not what he's talking about. It doesn't mean uh, stick your hand in a glass of water and, put, and splash water in their face. Uh, it's, it's none of that. What, what it is, is it's saying something good about them. You know, I, I uh, heard the, the story about a, a guy who was all nervous. He's going on his first date, and it was a blind date. And uh, he, he meets, meets this gal, and, and, and of course, before he went, his friend told him, he says, now whatever you do, make sure, no matter what she looks like, no matter you know, who she is, make sure that you compliment her. And so he meets this gal, and she's, she, she's 400 pounds. I mean, she's huge, man. She's a roly-poly. And uh, she's, she's humongous. And, and, uh, and he's scratching his head all night long, thinking, what am I going to say that's complimentary to this gal? So they get to the, they get to the end of the date, and they, he walks her to the door, and he looks at her, and he says, she, she, she says, listen, I've, I've had just a wonderful time. And he said, well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you did, because for a fat girl, you really don't sweat much. That was the best he could do. Well, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you, what do, you do when, when uh, uh, someone is being nasty to you? Well, the Bible says, bless them. Look for a compliment. Now, I hope, hopefully you can do a little bit better job than that guy did. But you look for a compliment. Number one, what you have to do is you have to have an attitude of gratitude toward God for them. Can I tell you something? There is nobody in your life that has been placed in your life by God. Everyone that is in your life has got a divine appointment. And God is going to do some things with your knowledge of those, those people that, that only he can do. Uh, with, without those people in your life, you couldn't learn some us Sometimes it's what we, we, would call, we would call blessings. And other times it may, may make things difficult, but it will teach you some things that you wouldn't be able to learn otherwise. So thank God for them. And when you talk about them, uh, talk about them positively. You know what our, what our first reaction is when somebody does something offensive toward us or someone is nasty to us or we just get irritated with somebody? One of the first things we do is we start grumbling. We start complaining. Sometimes we just do that to ourselves. Uh, and, and, but then it starts slopping over into other people. 
and we start complaining to others. You know one of the things I noticed in the Scripture? Did Jesus have some things he could have complained about concerning his disciples? (laughs) Oh, yeah, all kinds of things. But you know what? He never went outside of the circle of the disciples and said, you know, these guys are having a real problem with unbelief. Never did. He just spoke to them one-on-one about the thing. He never, he never went to one of the other disciples and said, I'll tell you what, tell you what, uh, that, uh, that, that, that Peter is just a pain in the neck sometimes. You know, he opens his mouth and he doesn't insert one foot, he inserts both of them and then gets up and tries to walk. You know, he just, he, he, he could have said any of those things, but he didn't. He never did. He never did. And the Bible says that we ought to, to bless them. That means to speak kindly of them. You, 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 you get to that point by first thanking God for them. And then, then secondly, you, you, you praise them. You, give them. you look for a compliment that you can give to them. Something that you can, you can say that's true. Don't lie about it. But something that, that is, is a blessing. And then you can go to other people and do the same thing. Have you ever notice this? We go to other people to complain, but we hardly ever go to other people to praise somebody else. And can I tell you what that does for our attitude? It sours us. It sours us. And a person that has a sour attitude towards someone, they have a real tough time loving them. The more you talk negatively about somebody, the rougher time you're going to have fulfilling Scripture and loving them like you're supposed to love them. Jesus said we ought to love one another as Jesus Christ has loved us. Christ doesn't speak ill of you. He doesn't complain about you. And believe me, in my life there's a lot of things he can complain about but he never does. So the first thing is to bless them. Uh, say, say something good about them rather than complain. Don't spend time griping, spend time blessing. And secondly, it says do good to them. Do good to them. We were talking about this in, in uh, our Sunday school class this morning. And the uh, Bible says in the book of Romans, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. One of the things I've noticed over the years, I've really not seen a whole lot of bitter people, people that are bitter, that are mad, that are upset, that are all, you know, all wrenched up, repent. There's usually not a repentant spirit. In fact, one of the... the, illustrations that God gives in the, uh, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, talks about Esau. And the Bible says that he had a root of bitterness. You know what I, I find? I don't find anywhere where there is a, a real, honest-to-goodness, repentant spirit that Esau had about his actions. You know why? Because Esau was bitter. And he had, he had that root of bitterness. So what we need to do is we need to to do good to them uh, because the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Uh, You say, how do you do do good to them? Well, first of all, you you look and see if there's a need you can fulfill. 
You look and see if there's something you can do to be a blessing to them. Uh, provide for them. Uh, what you might need to do, and, and this is tough sometimes, is to just sit and listen to them. Maybe they just need somebody to talk to. You, uh, one of the things you can, sometimes one of the, the biggest blessings you can be to somebody is just to sit down and give them an ear. Just listen to them. Just pay attention to them. One of the things I, I try to do, and I don't always succeed at it, but I try to do this. Anytime one of the kids in our church, little kids, comes up to me and, and wants to talk to me, I try to get down, I try to, to get eye level with them. That's getting harder and harder all the time, but I, I, I do give that an effort. And uh, I, I pay attention to them. Now, there's some you can't help but pay attention. Little, little, uh, little Jonathan Miller, as soon as he sees me walking down the hallway, he comes up and he tackles the pastor's leg. It's kind of hard not to pay attention to that. But, but just showing attention to people. And, and you say, yeah, but I'll tell you, this person just irritates the socks off of me. Let me ask you something. You think you ever irritated God? You think you ever irritated God? <laughs> I know I've irritated God. I've done more than irritating. And yet every time I come to God, He gives me an audience. Every time I come to God, He gives me an audience. And so, do good to them. Provide for their needs. Listen to them. Uh, help them. Uh, you know, you might be able to be a, a help and a blessing to them spiritually. Uh, decide to be one of the best people that is in their lives. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the fact of the matter. There are some folks that you are going to be a really, really good friend to them. And they will be an enemy to you. Some folks are like that. You could be the very best person in all the world. But they will just not be able to stand you, not like you, and possibly even hate you. We don't have that option. There is no option for hatred of other people in the Christian life. I don't find it anywhere in Scripture. I'm supposed to love folks. But can I tell you something? Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes that's tough. And uh, I, I have an obligation before God and to others to, 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 to love folks. And one of the ways we can show our love to them is to do good for them. You know, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I have found that where... Uh, where my heart is, that's where my treasure is, and where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. It kind of works both ways. And if you want your heart to, to love an individual, you've got to invest in that person. And again, it may not always be money, but sometimes it may be. It, it'll be effort. It'll be time. Uh, but, but we need to invest in others. Um, why? Because the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. It'll be a blessing to them. The goodness, goodness will, will, will soften their hearts. 
Uh, and if it doesn't soften their hearts, you've still done what you're supposed to do. Truth of the matter is, God does good to you continually. He does good to me continually. There are times when I am, I, I am crosswise with God, when uh, you know, the heavens are as brass, uh, I'm fighting God on an issue. You know what? He's still good to me. That was one of the things that, that really grabbed a hold of me early in my Christian life. I got saved in February 1969 and really didn't start going to church like I should and, and, and give my life to the Lord like I should have until about August of that same year. So that meant that March, April, May, June, July, August, just about six months, and I was living for myself. I had told God in so many words that uh, I'm thankful that you saved my soul. Just leave me alone. This is my life. That's basically what my attitude was. It's a wrong attitude. And you know what God did to me for that six months? He gave me everything I wanted. <laughs> now, I'm not telling you, therefore, get crosswise with God so you get everything you want. Okay, that's not the point. The point is, he was still good to me regardless. You know what it did to me? It ripped me up. It did. It just, it softened my heart. It ripped me up. Finally, I just said, look, I can't take this anymore. I, you know, I had the things that I wanted, and yet there was no real peace on the inside. So I, I, I went to a friend of mine and said, look, we're going to church, whether you like it or not. And uh, we ended up going to church that Sunday, and uh, been going to church ever since uh, on a regular basis because of that. But, but it was the goodness of God that turned, that turned my heart. So do good to them. And then the last thing that he says, verse 44 again, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He says, pray for them. Pray for them. And pray for real needs, not for perceived needs. Uh, maybe maybe there's, a, there's, a, there's a Christian, maybe there's somebody in your family that you're just at loggerheads with. Let me ask you something. How much time have you spent praying for the, those people? Maybe there's somebody um, that you work with that just drives you up a wall. Let me ask you, how many... How many how much time have you spent in earnest prayer for that individual? Maybe there's somebody, maybe there's somebody right here in this church. Now I know that's hard to believe, but maybe there's somebody in this church that just, just gets to you. Let me ask you something. How much time have you spent praying for them? And not just, you know, Lord bless them, Lord take care of them, Lord smite them, Lord beat them up, Lord, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, when was the last time you just spent some time in prayer for them and prayed for their real needs? Now let me show you what I'm talking about. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verses 9 through 11. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He was the one who started this church. 
And he says this to them. He says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So he prayed that they, they would grow in love and they would do so in knowledge and in judgment. In other words, they'd be discerning in their love. That you may approve things that are excellent. Well, why, why would he say that? Well, it's probably because they were settling for things that were good and not going for the gold, not going for that which was excellent. He knew that about them. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Well, there's a good possibility they were struggling with sincerity. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. You know, one of the things that, that I realize as I, as I read through, and you find this particularly in the first chapters that Paul writes to any given church, he prays for them, and he prays for each church differently. He prays for those churches according to their real, honest-to-goodness spiritual needs. And one of the things I've, I, I've, I've thought of is, how does he know that? Well, he got to know those people. You know what? You have a hard time praying for somebody you don't even know them. You have a hard time praying for someone that you really haven't spent time with. You haven't examined what their needs are and pray for their real needs. You're in Philippians. Go to the next book. Go to the book of Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 1, again, look at verses 9 through 11. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you. So Paul's saying, listen, we pray for you. We pray for you every day. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, in, with this church, he wasn't praying for love. He was praying for knowledge. Evidently, that was something that they just greatly needed. And... and uh, he says in verse 10 that she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He mentions it twice. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. There were specific things that he prayed for, and it wasn't just Lord bless them, Lord uh, uh, take care of them, Lord, uh, uh, cure, cure their cold. You don't find that kind of prayer uh, going on for the, from the Apostle Paul to, the, to these churches and to individuals. You find they're specific, and you find that they're down deep. They're down deep. He, he prayed for not just the surface needs. He prayed for the under-the-surface under needs, the real needs, not, not just what you could see on the top. And one of the things we need to be praying is that, that God would be real in people's lives. That if there's someone that's hard for us to love, maybe one of the reasons why is because they're not walking with God like they ought to. You know, again, this is, this is the tendency we have. We see somebody stumbling in an area. We see somebody just flat doing something wrong. And we immediately, we say, did you see what so-and-so did? Can I tell you, telling somebody else about the sins of another person that you, another Christian that you see, number one, doesn't help that Christian a bit. Doesn't help the person that you're talking to, and it doesn't help you. 
Because now you, all you're doing is feeding your sour attitude. And then God comes along and says, love them. And you say, yeah, right. <laughs> well, the reason why you're having a hard time loving them is because you're having a hard time blessing them. The reason why you're having a hard time loving them is because you're not doing good for them. All you're doing is complaining about them. The reason why we have a hard time loving them is because we're not praying for them. You say you love somebody. And, you know, we, in our house, we say it all the time. And when John gets ready to, 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 to go off to work, and uh, we say goodbye to each other, and we say, I love you to each other. Uh, when I go to leave the house, uh, woe be unto me if I try to leave the house without giving my wife a kiss. That's just, we just don't do that. And woe be unto her if she tries to skip out on me uh, and, and not give me a kiss. But, but the other thing that we do is we tell each other we, we love each other. Now that's good. That's a good thing to do. But can you point to a, a specific action that would back up that statement? You know, we, we, we stand up and we sing, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. You do love him? Yeah, oh yeah, I love the Lord. Prove it. Can you point to a specific action that backs up that statement? You know, uh, when it comes to, to, to loving folks, honestly, oftentimes we're not any better than the world. And the only way we can love others is by allowing Christ to love them through us. That's why I went to 1 Corinthians 13, the charity chapter, the very highest form of love that you can show toward others. You can't do that on your own. But love is not primarily a feeling. Love is first and foremost an action. How can we show love to others? We can bless them. We can do good to them. We can pray for them. Now you think about this. Jesus Christ has done all three of those things for us. Christ does not run around heaven or call people to his throne and, and uh, speak badly of you when you do something wrong. In fact, I believe if the devil tried to go up to him and tried to accuse you, the Bible does say he's the accuser, accuser of the brethren, he tells them to take off because it's a family matter. I'm not even going to talk to you about it. That needs to be our, our attitude. That's how, how Christ treats us. Uh, Christ does good to us continually. Whether, we're, whether, whether we are right with God, and even sometimes when we're not right with God, you still get the goodness of God. And then thirdly, He intercedes for us. And He prays for us. He's there for us. How can we, how can we love folks? What do you do when your love for somebody else is starting to slip? You bless them, you do good to them, and you pray for them. Why? Because that's how God has treated us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we look at this subject of love, it's, it's an important one. I, I was raised in the, in the 60s, and Lord, I heard, make love, not war. But honestly, the people that used to spout that 
philosophy, had no idea what real love was all about. And I didn't either until I came to know you as Savior. And God, uh, you have continually blessed me. You have continually done good for me and to me. And Lord, uh, you intercede on my behalf. Father, that kind of love deserves love in return. We love you because you first loved us. But God, uh, we need to show that kind of love toward other folks, whether it be our enemies or whether it be the people that live within our own four walls of our home, whether it be the people that are here at our church, whether it be the people that we are relatives to, whether it be the people that we, that we work with, that we're around on a daily basis. Uh, Father, we, we, uh, we were, we're told to love one another. God, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts this, this morning. And first of all, help us to just appreciate how much you as our God love us. Maybe there's someone here this morning that has never really experienced the love of Christ because they've never trusted you as Savior. I pray that today would be the day they would realize they're a sinner on their way to hell and that you loved them so much you went to the cross for them. You bore all their sins in your own body on the tree. And you were buried. And then three days later, you rose again from the, from the dead. Lord, uh, I pray that if there's anyone here without Christ as Savior, that today would be the day that they would trust you as Savior. I pray, Lord, for those of us that are saved, that we'd realize that uh, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. Help us, God, and help us to be willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill that command and that scripture for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.